Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Making money is not about what you have. It's about what you keep. And the only way to keep money is to understand where it came from and where it needs to go. Lionshare Bookkeeping believes that there's a difference between owning real estate and owning a real estate business. That's why Lionshare Bookkeeping provides bookkeeping on a consistent basis, giving you the level of understanding you need and helping you keep the lion's share of your money. Today, LSBK works exclusively with real estate investors nationwide to obtain the level of financial clarity needed to focus on acquisitions, marketing, running their business, and enjoying time with their family. If you'd like to learn more about them, go to lionsharebookkeeping.com to check out their educational content and book a meeting with them if you're ready to take it to the next step. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Chris Raleigh. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, Whitney. Glad to be here. Chris is the CEO and founder of Harvest Returns, currently a captain in the U.S. Navy Reserve and has invested in real estate and income producing agriculture for, for nearly two decades. While visiting a farm investment in Central America, Chris conceived the idea of building a crowdfunding platform to streamline agriculture investment. He has held corporate management roles uh, ranging from electronic data systems, L3 communications, and served as a defense consultant uh, at Special Operations Command with Blackbird Technologies. Chris, again, welcome to the show. It's always great to learn about different ways to invest and the way different people are helping investors to, to streamline that process, right, and expose them to different things that they probably haven't heard of before, potentially. So get us started a little bit about maybe your background, uh, and let's jump into you know Harvest Returns. Yeah, so I've got a pretty diverse background. A lot of it investing, investing in my own account, started with, with single family real estate, that sort of thing, and, and kind of grew my investment portfolio from there, got into some multifamily, got into some passive, um, some land deals, that sort of thing. And then after the 28 crisis, financial crisis. And we saw you know, a lot of real estate kind of fall apart at that point. I started looking to d even more diversify. I'm a big proponent of, of investment diversification. And, and so one of the things that I started becoming aware of was, was agriculture and farming and decided I wanted to invest in a farm. Well, it turns out it's that's a pretty hard thing to do. You need to have a lot of capital, a lot of know-how. It's not... I say that you've kind of seen one single family home fix and flip or seeing one passive multifamily investment, you've seen them all. Well, farming, you've seen one farm, you've seen one farm. It's, it's, a, it's a much different asset class. So started looking for ways to invest in it. And there at the time, this was around 2015, there was only a kind of a few vehicles where you could go out and invest in farming indirectly. You, you know, you could always go out and buy a farm and either figure out how to farm it yourself or pay somebody to do it. But that was inaccessible to most people. So at the same time, there was platforms that were springing up all over the place, uh, allowing you to invest in real estate, whether um, different asset classes of real estate and using equity crowdfunding. So kind of had this idea that why don't I see if I can build a platform that allows people to invest in farms and take care of all the work, all the due diligence side uh, so that people can just come in passively and diversify their portfolio. So that's that's what we did in 2016. Brought along my partner, Austin Manis, who 
had more of a background working on farms when he was growing up. I didn't. I was kind of a kind of a city boy and didn't didn't have that background, but but did appreciate that our farming and, and the asset class. Well, let's jump into that asset class a little bit. I know it's great that you bring up and you, know, you see one multifamily deal. It doesn't mean you've seen them all. However, you will have a pretty good understanding of how to maybe underwrite and look at other deals or, you know, it goes pretty quickly or the learning process anyway. But you mentioned that, uh, you know, each farm is, is very unique, right? Uh, it's specialized and, and or you see one farm, you've seen one farm. So let's talk about that. You know, that can be scary as a new investor, right? And, you know, thinking through, well, investing in a farm, I've never, most of them, maybe I'd never even heard of that before or thought about that being an option to diversify in. Maybe you could even, before we get into that, speak to why invest in a farm and, and where are, are these farms at that, uh, that you're investing in? Mm-hmm. So, so the first thing to know is, is agriculture, farming is just another form of real estate. So you're taking a piece of land and you're producing value with that land. And, and there's, in our case, we do some very unique types of offerings with agriculture. Most people, when they think of farming, they, they probably think of like row crop farming, driving down the highway and seeing acres and acres of corn or soybeans or cotton or whatever. And that's, that's a very typical form of agriculture that, that farmland uh, REITs and, and that a lot of people are institutions are investing in where they're buying these large tracts of lands and then paying somebody to farm it for them and they pay them rent. So it, it, in that way, it's, it's like agriculture or it's like, you know, any other kind of real estate for us, we're, we're focused on some very unique verticals in farming. One of those is indoor agriculture. So this is where somebody takes a piece of land and either builds a, a greenhouse on it or they're taking an existing building and it might be a building that was converted for another use. It might've been a warehouse or an industrial building, that sort of thing. And they're putting vertical farms in them, hydroponic farms. So they're growing food indoors. And, and the reason we like that, that we're kind of bullish on, on this indoor agriculture is because when it's called controlled environment agriculture, because you're essentially controlling the environment, you're taking a lot of the weather equations out of it. A lot of the weather unpredictability and risks that come with, with droughts and things like that come with pest infestations and things like that. You're taking that out and, and you're doing it very sustainable. And more importantly, you're, you're growing food closer to where it's consumed. So you're taking a lot of the supply chain risk out as well. So we like indoor farming in particular. Indoor farming. I think that's interesting. Indoor ag. It's not something we thought of before, really, or, or especially, you know, thought about investing in. Tell me about as far as this type of asset class as a, a passive investor, what should, what should they be asking? You know, somebody like yourself or an operator, what, what do we need to know? Because obviously it'd be brand new to most. How do we find somebody that's an experienced operator and, and know what to ask? A lot of people that have been in it for decades, there are some. And for us, the ideal sort of sponsor for us to syndicate an indoor ag deal, the, the ideal sponsor has a, a nice mix of, of growing experience, but also business experience. And, and in the case of, in some cases, real estate development experience, because that's, that's what you're talking about here. You're taking either an empty piece of land and putting a, a, a large greenhouse, you know, multi-million dollar greenhouse on it, or you're taking abandoned vacant industrial building and you're putting in the right environmental controls, HVAC, lighting, humidity, and, and then the, the actual system for growing the produce. So, so you want somebody that's got, you know, that business experience uh, in an operator, but also the 
some somebody on their team at least that that knows how to grow things because indoor farming it, it looks very push button and automated but it's still hard work they're still out there planting and harvesting and although there's some systems that that take out some of the take out like i said some of the variables from compared to outdoor farming are most people operating the farm like most operators you know if i'm investing with someone that operator are they most of the time operating the farm operation also or is that hired out sometimes how do we look at that yeah, in our experience, they are. I mean, the principals may not be out there actually planting and, and harvesting the tomatoes inside or whatever, but someone on their team is. So it's not like they're hiring a third party operator. For the most part, we haven't seen that that sort of model yet. It's it's the actual teams that are putting together the deals that that are either running themselves in some cases and actually doing the farming or or bringing somebody on board to do that. Nice. Okay. Well, you know, I wanted to ask too, just like you started a a crowdfunding platform. So maybe you can speak to why you chose crowdfunding versus, you know, syndicating Beach Farm individually. Yeah. So we wanted, you know, we wanted a business that we could scale and some of the automation that that crowdfunding technology brings that automates the investment process that has, we have backend providers that help with Things that you have to do for compliance with the SEC, money laundering checks and accreditation checks and all those, all those sorts of things that when you syndicate a real estate deal that, that if you've never done one before, it can be seem like an obstacle, a big challenge. And so we have systems in place, people and systems and providers that, that sort of take a lot of the uncertainty with those, those functions and, and automate them and iterate them so that you're not having to start from scratch every time you syndicate an offering. So who does that open your platform up to? Since you crowd your crowdfunding versus syndication, can anyone invest, accredited, non-accredited? What what would be like a minimum investment as well? Yeah. So currently we're doing regulation D offerings. So we do both 506B and 506C, which means primarily we're dealing with accredited investors, but we do have some offerings on the 506B side that allow a, a, a limited number of non-accredited investors. And those have been very popular for our investors. Even though I, you know, most of our investors are registered, seem to be accredited, that the 506B is popular. At some point in the future, we'd like to do offerings that allow more retail investors. So so right now, our biggest obstacle if you're an investor is, is our minimums. And we still think they're pretty low when it compares to some things like farmland rates where you might have a $50,000 or $100,000 minimum for, for our investments. The minimum's $5,000, $10,000, some cases higher than that. So it is open to a wider variety of investors. We think that farming is important. We think more people should have access to that investment. We think it's a great diversification tool. If you look at some of the institutions that have been investing in farmland that for decades. So there's like pension funds and university endowments and people like Bill Gates, who's the largest farmland owner. We found out a few weeks ago that he's the largest farmland owner in America. So investors are like farming. They like the asset class. Now it's just a matter of getting it more accessible to more people. You mentioned earlier, and for the operators that are listening, you know, you mentioned earlier like some back-end providers. Are there any providers that, are, that help automate some of that process that you could recommend? Yeah. So we use a company called, called Prime Trust that does our escrow services and they do our money laundering checks. And they were set up specifically to be kind of a back-end for crowdfunding platforms. But, but also, I, I'm sure that they can do people that do syndications, one or two or, or more syndications that are putting that together. They, they 
help with all that. There's there's other more specialized providers that that might do a single piece of the syndication process, compliance process, like either your escrow, which you can most banks will do that for you, but you're also money laundering checks, accreditation checks. You can get that, that all done by outside services. And I would recommend if you're whatever kind of property you're putting syndicating, putting together syndication for, whether it's a multifamily or a pool of, of houses or whatever that you you think about how you're going to scale it. You've got to do it once. And the first time is always the hardest. But once you do it once in order to grow your company, you're going to you're going to do it over and over again. So think from the beginning how you can scale and don't put together one-off processes. Bedford's cost segregation specializes in generating significant tax savings via their engineering-based studies for commercial real estate clients nationwide. Founded in 2002, Bedford is one of the largest independently owned cost segregation providers in the country with over 14,000 studies completed to date in multiple offices throughout. The most important decision ownership can make when incorporating cost segregation within their real estate portfolio is selecting the right provider. With only 43 certified cost segregation professionals nationwide, Bedford is proud to employ eight of them and takes the quality of their people as seriously as their studies. Every certified cost segregation professional has passed a rigorous test combining knowledge of technical engineering issues, legal tax issues, ethics standards, and requires a strict level of prior work experience to be eligible. Bottom line, not all cost segregation providers are created equal. So be sure to take the decision seriously from the beginning to protect yourself for years to come. Please contact Bedford's Business Development Director, Frank Judici, to learn more. Is there a, a third party you use for the to verifying the accreditation status if you're doing a 506C? Yeah, I'm trying to remember who we use. I don't want to quote because I, I generally don't touch that. But we do have a third-party accreditation provider that's, that's a service. Yeah, no, it's just a, a lot of people don't even know that's an option out there. Or unless you've done a 506C uh, before, then, you know, where you have to verify all that. Because we, we want to make that process as streamlined as possible, you know, for our investors and as easy as possible. So, but speak to a little bit also about, or maybe you can share, you know, just like from your time working with your investors, how much of their portfolio are they trying to put in farmland versus what they have in the stock market or other real state like multifamily or self-storage or something else? That's a good question. Kind of by our estimates, it's it's generally like 5 to 20% of our portfolio. And if you look at some of the institutions that are investing in farmland and natural resources, it's a, it's a roughly the same percentage. So we don't advise people and we're not investment advisor or anything like that, but we do think it's a great tool. We've got a lot of educational resources to help educate people on why they should diversify with farmland and agriculture. What's the hardest part for a passive investor when investing in a project like ag? Yeah, I think it's understanding. You know, we, we've done some deals over and over again. I say they're all unique and they are, but we're trying to do more and more certain verticals like indoor hydroponic farms using the exact same system. We've done a few deals which uses a, a technology called ZipGrow. So for, for them to learn that just the different ways that revenue is produced on a farm, and it, that depends, there's so many different types of crops. There's so many models on how it's sold. It can be some people are selling direct to consumer. We do a lot of beef where they're starting to sell grass-fed cattle direct to consumer versus selling wholesale distributorship. So there's there's a lot of different ways that farmers and people in agriculture make money. And so make sure you understand what the revenue sources are before you invest in a deal. 
make sure you know what the revenue sources are before you invest in the deal. Great point. What about just timeline? I know it's much different when talking about an ag operation of actually receiving returns. When should they expect those? How long should they expect this hold period to be? Yeah, I mean, a lot of we do have a lot of real estate investors, and you know, that was my background, and we get a lot of people that might have invested in multifamily or whatever, so they're used to like, hey, I write a check, and then I'm going to start getting quarterly payments, right? In three months, I'm like maybe, but more realistically, you're dealing with growing natural processes, and in the case of like tree crops, you may not see a return for three or four years. Trees have a, a maturity level where they, you're basically getting zero revenue for the first few years and then it ramps up and it ramps up and then it kind of exponentially goes up. And then after you know 20 or 30 years, depending on the type of tree, you're going to start a slow decline. Some things like olives will grow for produce crops for decades, if not, if not longer, whereas other crop cycles are very short. So we're dealing with some of our indoor folks are growing things like microgreens where it might be a three-week crop cycle and they're growing them over and over and over again and supplying them to restaurants. So again, understand the math, whether it's it's cow math or hydroponic greens math or whatever, make, make sure you at least have an idea of, of how that crop is being produced and being sold as well. How do you prepare for a downturn when investing in ag? So we generally tend to avoid commodity-based crops. So if there was a big commodity slump with, with things like soybeans and corn, that's kind of starting to, to reverse this year. But because we're more in the specialty types of crops, one of the things we do is uh, that are in high demand and in some cases premium, like grass-fed beef is, is a premium product. So even during COVID, our product was in high demand and it was actually... Very high demand because a lot of the the conventionally raised or or you know grain finished beef, the supply chains were disrupted due to COVID. Whereas ours are using smaller processors, our producers are using smaller processors that weren't shut down because of COVID. So they kept kept on producing, kept on selling. I guess tell me what different types of products you're in. You mentioned grass fed beef. What else would be that specialty type product or crop that we should consider? Grass-fed livestock is one of our verticals that indoor farming where it's produced closer to the consumer, whether it's in a large-scale greenhouse or a smaller hydroponic urban farm. And then the other thing, we just call it sort of sort of specialty crops. So we've done cocoa, we've done bamboo, which is interesting. Bamboo is a crop where it's very high demand right now for floors and, and textiles, but over 90% of it is imported to the United States. So we're starting to see people growing it in the United States in, in climates like the Southeast United States, Florida, where our bamboo farm is, and people are, are growing it to meet local demand. Same thing with, you know, even grass-fed beef. Most of it is imported in the U.S. from Australia and New Zealand. People don't realize that. You see cows everywhere when you drive through the country, but a lot of those are going to feedlots to be grain finished. They're not grass finished. And that's kind of the distinction. And so we're helping to grow that grass finished beef product in the U.S. Interesting, especially cocoa, bamboo, things like that, too, that, you know, we don't really think about where those things come from. Even the grass-fed beef, you know, you mentioned where most of it's coming from another country. It's just interesting you know, to think through what you're putting in your mouth, right? You know, even where your flooring is coming from. Uh, but Chris, any predictions uh, over the next six to 12 months in the real estate market that you may have that you could share? Yeah, I mean, for, for our sector, we think we're going to see more growth in indoor farming. There's a company called App Harvest that recently did an IPO via a special purpose acquisition SPAC. And so, so that was huge. It's basically a unicorn agriculture company, which, which people wouldn't have thought of agriculture as a technology sort of thing, but it is with some of these farming. We, we see a lot, a lot of new ag tech 
companies and, and we're working to get those up on our, our platform to give investors an opportunity to diversify with sort of a higher ag technology before it becomes public or more well-known and accepted. So we're, we're excited about agriculture in general. We're bullish about it as an investment and, and we like uh, indoor ag in specifically. Do you have any daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? Yeah, I try to, you know, we all get a lot of spam emails every morning and I try to sort through those and, and pick out the nuggets of people put out some good content through email and love podcasts. So I, I don't know, it's not necessarily a daily thing, but when I'm out exercising, I don't listen to music. I listen to podcasts I like this one. And that's where I, I pick up a lot of stuff, learn a lot of things. So you know, reading is important. You've got to always be kind of figuring out what's next. And the best way to do that is to listen to people that are out there doing it. What about your, your best source for meeting new investors right now? Yeah, we bring in most of our investors through word of mouth, but, but digital advertising, a, a little bit of advertising. But it's one of those things when you're putting together a syndication, you have some success and, and word gets out. And, and that's the best way to do, is just to keep doing it. And that's how you're going to grow your investor base. People are going to be satisfied and talk to their friends and family members and bring those on board. Yeah, we love referrals. That's a great, a great point. What about the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Perseverance. I mean, we we were kind of a pioneer. There's some other competitors out there doing agriculture investments now, but we were back in 2016, we were we were one of the very first platforms that were enabling people to kind of come in passively and invest in in farming. So it, it has not been easy. And we, as a pioneer, you, you get a lot of arrows in your back. And so that's, that's the way you learn. So we're out there, you know, constantly learning, constantly improving, trying to offer new products to our, our investors and, and helping our farmers you know, stay farming. And how do you like to give back? You know, for us, it's just a big reward seeing that, that going out and visiting a farm and seeing the jobs that have been created and seeing people growing food. It's, it's a very tangible thing. It's like, and that's why I like real estate because it's a very tangible thing where you're creating product that people are using, whether they're living in it or working in it or conducting some sort of business operation. So for us, it's just, it's the reward of, of seeing farmers out there doing their thing. Chris, grateful to have, have met you and had you on the show and also just learning more about this ag industry that we can invest in to help diversify our portfolio and just the importance of that. But it's such a new thing, I feel like, or just something we're not as exposed to, uh, right? So, it, you know, a lot of listeners, it's like, you know, they're getting exposed to the ag industry. And I just appreciate you shedding some light, even thinking through crowdfunding, you know, versus syndication and just the different types of commodities that we need to be thinking about. You know, what are we investing in? Where are these things even coming from. But then also just questions I ask an operator like yourself and thinking through, you know, is this somebody I want to invest with? What does that the horizon look like on returns and, and hold periods, things like that. So I also wanted to thank you for your service as well. Tell the listeners where they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. I say best way is harvestreturns.com. You know, that's our website. You can sign up, get on there and, and look through our offerings and decide if you want to invest. But but we're also out on social media on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn, places like that, where we, we try to put out a lot of educational material because, as you said, it's, it's a fairly new asset class to people. So we want you to be educated before somebody decides to invest. Awesome, Chris. That's a wrap. Thank you very much. Thanks, Whitney. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 
I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.